What's going on, y'all, and welcome back to the No Limit Lab. I'm your host, Eloy, and today we are going to be going over the book of Boba Fett, episode 5, titled Return of the Mandalorian. Now, I first want to say I am ecstatic. I am excited. I am so happy that we got this episode. This, to me, like I said, this is the epitome of Star Wars. I said this with, the, I said this with a couple episodes of the book of Boba already. This is the epitome of Star Wars. Fuck episode 3. I fucking hate that episode of this show. But everything else to me, great. Epitome of Star Wars. I love it. So, this episode is titled Return of the Mandalorian. And they are not they they are not being light not that is not spoken lightly at all when they say Return of the Mandalorian. Yeah, he he, he returns in this episode. This is this this episode is was was so exciting. I, I I'm gonna be honest, okay? When when um the episode came out uh 12 in the morning on um on Wednesday, I was still up, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go to bed. I'll watch this episode uh, later on. Later on on Wednesday when I get up." And something kept telling me, "I'm like, man, you know what? All right, fuck it. I'll, I'll just, I'll just watch this episode." And goddamn, I am fucking glad I did. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was maybe fucking Dave Filoni and John Favreau were communi- communicating with me through the Force with some si- with some type of shit that Luke was using in the Trash Jedi to talk to me and just like Eloy, Eloy, Eloy. I know you're thinking about going to sleep. We we know this. We know this. But fucking stay the fuck up. Don't be fucking lazy. Don't go to bed. Fuck going to bed and watch the newest episode of the Book of Boba Fett. You gotta watch it, dude. Something was telling me. Something was telling me in my brain. So I was like, fuck it, I'll watch it. And I'm so glad I did. And shout out Dave Filoni and John Favreau. And shout out Bryce Dallas Howard, who directed this episode. I didn't think this episode was gonna be that that good, to be honest with you. Because the book of Boba Fett so far has been pretty mid. I'm not gonna lie. It, a lot of it has been good, but a lot of it has also just been pretty mid. And it's, it's not, not all of it's hidden. I'm kind of understanding what some people feel when they're all like, man, we want Boba Fett to be more brutal. We want Boba Fett to be more, you know, conniving. We want him to be the Boba that we, you know, that we grew up on, the Boba that we know he's supposed to be, the most ruthless bounty hunter in the galaxy. And he's kind of just been too nice. And, you know, they've made a couple jokes about it in the series so far. Like, Fennec tells him, oh, you know, ever since you were living with the Tuscans, you've been too nice. Eh, I mean... I get it, but it's like, if you're going to make jokes about it, you know, and, you know, kind of just break the fourth wall a little bit with that, talking to the audience, like, or speaking for the audience, you know, like, okay, that's that's cool, but are you going to improve on it? Are you going to make it better? Are you going to make him the Boba that we want? And because this this uh, this this miniseries is only seven episodes, we're on the fifth episode already, which was a great fucking episode, it's just like, there shouldn't be, there's no room for, there's no room for... Uh, for fuck-ups here we we need to see shit progress we need to see shit happen we need to see action and it's got to happen but we sure did get it in this fucking episode so we're gonna go ahead and start off by opening we open up on a slaughterhouse where we are then met with mando who uh who walks into the slaughterhouse right before he walks in the camera's panning all around the slaughterhouse we see these uh uh these um these uh alien um alien workers they're walking around doing their thing um they're they're moving meat. They're just they're working, busting their ass. Blue collar, you know, blue collar aliens like me and you, um, doing their thing and walking around. Then we then pan in and we see uh, we see fucking Din walk in. Mando walks in and and you hear the theme. You're like, oh fuck! They're showing him already. Okay, fuck it. Let's let's get it started. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm I am down to see Mando come in and possibly kick some ass. What the fuck is he gonna do? Now when it started, I'm like, okay. Is Boba in here? Did Boba call him here? What's he doing? Or is he going after a bounty? Well, we soon find out that he is. Mando walks into a back room. Some of the workers are looking at him before, while he's walking around. He ignores him. He uh he looks for he's look tells he's looking for a man named Kababai's. He walks into this back room and he walks in like a fucking cowboy in a saloon, badass. And he walks through and he tells a man sitting down, surrounded by some other guys, workers. It looked this looked like something straight out of a mob movie, straight out of something Martin Scorsese would do, straight out of something like Goodfellas or or fucking um The Godfather. You're like, oh shit, like this, okay, well, this is the money laundering, the money laundering little shit. Like the it's posed off like it's a fucking just a regular business that you know chops meat, hangs meat, and dries and colds meat or whatever the or freezes meat or whatever the fuck. But behind the scenes, there's some dirty shit going on, and there's criminals in the back, and there's all sorts of shit. 
And he walks in, he looks at a man slash alien dude, and he tells him, he says he's looking for a man named Kaba Bais. The man speaking to him is all like, oh, uh, uh, why, kind of like, why are, you, who, why are you looking for him? And he's just like, I need to speak with him. And he goes, okay, well, I'll, I'll let him know that you stopped by. And um, Mando's kind of like, Mando's not stupid. I'm like, okay, this guy, I'm like, this guy is definitely fucking the dude he's looking for. Mando tells him, uh, how, how do he says, how do you know Kaba Bais is here? And then he pulls out his little beacon, basically saying like, you know, it's fucking pointing at him saying that he's here. And um, he goes, oh, I don't know. I don't think you're, I think you're looking for, I think you might find have the wrong person. Then Mando pulls out his little hologram, showing the picture of the man he's looking for. Turns out to be Kaba Bais is the guy that's talking to him, trying to convince him to get the fuck out of there and basically get the eyes off of him. Mando is just all like, okay. And Kaba's like, hey, come on. Like, it's okay. That's, that's not, you don't need to, you don't, we don't need to escalate things. He threatens Mando and then he says, hey, look, look, look. We can discuss our other options, obviously meaning fucking money because there's a bunch of credits on the fucking table. Mando then orders his infamous line, puts his hand on his holster. I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. Mando is then bitten by one of the men, and then he's shot in the back of the helmet, starts getting, a fight ensues, Mando is uh, fighting back, knocking some of the guys down, they're knocking Mando down, it's it's a back and forth fight, Kababai stands up and kind of gets some distance back, doesn't do anything, and you're like, uh-oh, then all of a sudden, Mando pulls out the fucking Darksaber, the Darksaber, oh my fucking god, I was so happy to see the goddamn Darksaber, he pulls it out, starts going full on, just fuck these guys, fuck these assholes, slices one of the motherfuckers across his chest and kills him, knocks him fucking backward, or knocks him back and he fucking dies, Stabs another fucking guy. Kababais pulls out a blaster. Is shooting at Mando in the back of his helmet. Mando grabs a blade and he fucking stabs Kababais in the chest. And I think he killed him. <laughs> but if he didn't, this this next thing sure fucking did. He stabs him in the fucking chest. Puts him on the fucking table and in a fit of rage, swings the dark saber down and cuts him and the fucking table in half. Oh my fucking god! What a way to start this episode off so fucking far. Oh, this, like I said, this is the epitome of Star Wars. This is what I want to see. And I was so surprised that they got this fucking violent. And the reason why I say I'm surprised, this is fucking Disney, guys. Like, I didn't think that Disney, I was like, this is a Disney show as I'm watching this. Like, this is a, this is Disney. Uh, if this is Disney, then I, I'm all down. I'm down with Disney if this is the Disney that we're going to get for Star Wars. Because I've been waiting for shit like this. I've been waiting for brutal shit to happen. Not stupid, funny, brutal shit like Snoke getting cut in half where they blur the camera and you can barely fucking see him, his body falling down. And then in a comedic way, they're like, oh, oh, zoom in on his, zoom, zoom in on his face. Zoom in on his face with his tongue out, boo, looking all fucking stupid. Like he, like he just fucking passed out drunk and he's, and he's barely waking up the next fucking day. Fuck that shit. That shit is dumb. This shit is cool. This is Star Wars. This is the epitome of violence in Star Wars. Now, some people might be wondering, well, why was there no blood? You keep saying, oh, this is violent, where there's no blood. Well, if you paid attention to Star Wars, like you should be doing, there's not a lot of blood in Star Wars. They don't need to show blood in Star Wars. One of the reasons why there's no blood when he swings the lightsaber or swings the darksaber and cuts that guy across the chest is because when they swing, when, when they cut somebody with a, uh, a lightsaber in Star Wars, it cauterizes the wound. So it basically kind of like eliminates blood. There's like, there's no blood that needs to be shown because the heat just sizzles the fucking skin and the wound where it's just like, okay, the blood is kind of dried up basically. There's still blood inside them, but it's like, they don't, it just cauterizes it. So that's, that's why. Now one might say, what about A New Hope? Uh, Obi-Wan cuts off, um, cuts off, um, that fucking, what the fuck was his name? I don't remember, Ponda or something like that. Uh, Ponda, what I think it was his name. Pondo, Ponda. He cuts that guy's uh, arm off who was <laughs> fucking screaming at Luke and trying to give him trouble. He cuts that guy's hand off and there's blood, but George Lucas then, I believe later on, he said he kind of regretted that having blood just because like at that time when that movie came out, you know, it was a little violent for, it was a little violent and they kind of didn't really want to show something like that. Now that's a little hypocritical. There was a lot of other violent movies during that time period with, you know, not a bunch of blood, but with violence. So, so you know, but you know, George Lucas kind of doesn't really like using too much blood in Star Wars. And I know we're working with Disney now. Uh, they're following suit, you know, with the same stuff. If we go into the Clone Wars, you go into Rebels, there's not fucking really any blood. The only blood you'll see is maybe from a cut or a scar or, uh, you know, somebody getting beat up, maybe. 
Other than that, you really don't see a lot of blood in Star Wars, which I'm fine with. That, that's that's the thing. They can work with that. That's in that's Star Wars shit. You don't got Star Wars don't require blood. I'd be I'd be kind of like, what the fuck? If we were getting if he cut his fucking head off and then blood was squirting everywhere, like we're watching fucking Invincible. Now I'm not hating on Invincible. I fucking love that show, but you know Invincible is known for Invincible show is in, the Invincible show is known for all the blood that it has. And Star Wars is known for not having a lot of blood, so I'm fine with that. I'm cool with it. It's it ain't got no problem with me. Uh, we then have a uh, have a different shot of the workers looking into looking into a blur the blurry um, shutter slash little flaps into the other room, the plastic clear flaps, and you can see the dark saber still ignited, and um, uh, and then um, you see uh, you hear some sort of noise. And I'm all like, uh-oh, what the fuck's he doing? Is he cutting something off? And the, the workers, some of them got axes in their hands and weapons, and some of them don't. They're kind of like in fear, shock. Some of them are confused, like, what the fuck's going on? They're not really saying things. They're just looking. And Mando walks out like a fucking badass with Kaba buys his head inside of some sort of cloth, some cloth wrapped up. You can't see the head. You, obviously, someone with the fucking brain would know, okay, he was cutting off the head to have proof of the dead bounty so he can get paid and he's wrapping it in a cloth. They don't need to show the head. It's 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 whatever. We know the head is in there. And he walks out limping. And I forgot to mention this uh, Mando when he was swinging the lightsaber or the dark saber. I keep saying lightsaber. It's a lightsaber, but it's called the dark saber. When he was swinging the dark saber, he's swinging the dark saber in a way where you can tell, okay, this guy's still got a lot to learn when it comes to lightsaber combat. Obviously, he's not a fucking Jedi. He's not trained with this sort of stuff. He's trained with guns and weapons and other sort of things, but not swinging something like this. Um, he's, it's like, it's like, some, it's like if somebody gets like a heavy sword and like they're trying to swing the sword, but the momentum and just the weight of the sword, it's just... It's, it's, it's not like a smooth motion. It's like, it's like a rough, ugh, like the way Ray swings a lightsaber, except, except Ray can stay a little bit more balanced. He just swings wildly. He was swinging wildly with this dark saber when he was getting, cutting these guys and killing these guys and stuff like that. And he accidentally, uh, sliced a part of his leg, which caused an injury, which is now causing him to limp. He walks out limping. The guys are all looking at him. Uh, they're all looking at him. And Mando then tells the workers that, look, that all, all I want to do is pass, let me pass, and you can have all the credits that are not owed to me inside the other room from their former employer, obviously, because he's fucking dead. Basically, you know, yo, those credits in there, I ain't entitled to those credits. I'm just here for a bounty. You guys want them? Go fucking take them. They're there for the picking. Just let me get through. And I was like, okay, come on. Like, don't jump them. If they jump them, they're going to get the best of him right now. And I'm like, because he's injured and... You know, there's a lot of these fucking guys. One of one, one of the guys runs in, and then everybody else starts falling. They all start falling like a bunch of ducks. So, all right, if you're going to go, I'm going to go. They all run in, and Mando walks through, and then we get a fucking title card. An amazing fucking opening. Now, I want to talk about this scene really quick. I didn't think that we are going to see Mando this early. I thought we are going to maybe see him towards the middle of the episode, maybe at the end. Um, when Mando utters his phrase, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. I thought right there, we were going to get the title card. And then whatever happened with this guy, was going to happen off screen. And then we were going to probably open back up with Boba and Fennec, you know, getting ready to communicate, uh, or, to, uh, you know, talk to Mando or find a way to communicate to him to basically say, Hey, you know, we need you, or we want you to join our team basically. But no, we, we got a, we got a full ass fucking fight scene. A, a violent fucking fight scene that just was awesome, and, and I'm excited that we that we saw. Shout out Dave Filoni, shout out John Favreau, shout out Bryce Dallas Howard. You guys are do, you guys did a great job on this fucking scene, and whoever did the fight choreography for this scene and the cinematography, great fucking job. Shout out to you. We then open up on we see uh, we see that Mando or wherever they're at is some sort of spaceship spaceship ring. Slash planet and city, it just the vis the visual of this fucking planet slash ring city. I'm gonna call it ring city. The the visual of ring city. It, oh my god, it it looks so fucking cool. It, it's like it, it gave me. It just gave me like all these thoughts of like innovations of something we could possibly have in the future, thousands of years, hundreds of years down the line. Obviously, I won't be alive to fucking see it, but one can imagine, one can dream. It looks so fucking cool. Now I saw some things on the internet about people. Um, Comparing this, it looked it looked like this planet or this place from Halo. Uh, I've only played Halo once, so I didn't really get the reference. Um, but hey, if they're making a Halo reference, hey, good for the people who like Halo. Um, 
We then show Mando. He's still limping. He's limping through the city. Uh, and he enters an elevator. And this alien guy's in the elevator in there. He looks... I think he's the guy who was the, the guy, the elevator operator. But uh, he looks at Mando really briefly. And then Mando looks at him and the guy looks away. Like, oh, wasn't looking at you. Wasn't looking at you. Goes up in the elevator. We enter this room uh, that's leading to this... Uh, it's a bar. It looks like it looks like a bar slash maybe little gambling area. It didn't look like a club because there wasn't people dancing around. It wasn't a bunch of music playing. It was just some you know calm little bar that he walks in. I'm like, okay, is he gonna meet the guy who paid him for or is paying him for his for this bounty? Uh, he walks into another room where this alien, uh, who is the employer, the guy who requested him to do the bounty, uh, Mando basically walks in all business. Um, with the head, tells him, all right, I want my reward, and I want the information that you were promised, I want the reward for this bounty, and I want the information that that was promised to me, and the alien was speaking in alien language, uh, I didn't have my glasses on me, it was hard to read the subtitles, but, uh, he basically tells the man, like, hey, sit down, like, sit down, let's talk, I want to, I need you to do another job for me, man, I was like, no, I want my credits, I want my reward, and I want the information you're going to give me, like, and the guy's just like, sit down, like saying, tell him, sit down. Like, what are you, what are you in a rush for? You're, why are you always in a rush? Man, I was all like, all right, then if you're not going to give me my information and money, I, I, there's plenty of other people who want this guy dead. I'll take the bounty of them. No, 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 no. Sit down, sit down. Okay, okay, fine. I'll give you the information. He tells Mando the information. It's about the, Mando's looking, it's about this alleyway, something about an alleyway. I didn't catch it exactly. I didn't get it down in my notes. Um, and then the guy, uh, somebody else hands Mando his credits. Mando takes his credits. And uh, he basically, um, he walks out and he's like, all right, he exits and uh, he goes down the elevator again. Then we get to Mando walking in what I believe was the lower levels of the city uh, where he was at earlier, where he was walking uh, and limping. He was in the upper levels because you can obviously see space above them and you can see the, um, the buildings and the rest of the city and everything else. So I'm guessing he went somewhere in the lower levels. And I'm not going to lie. I thought, I thought Mando was about to get mugged down here where he was at. This looked like something straight out, straight out of um, uh, the bounty, the Star Wars Bounty Hunter game for the PS2. I'm like, is he going to get fucking robbed right now? And I'm like, man, I hope not. But this place looks shady as fuck. No, he didn't get robbed. He, he activates this thermal in his helmet, uh, which starts showing him these symbols on the wall. He follows all the symbols. And I'm like, I'm kind of was confused here. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's looking for, I think he's looking for the um, the Mandalorian guild or the, the guild. And I'm like, okay. And then he, you see the logo. They play the Mando theme. I'm like, okay, this is the guild. that He's looking for the guild. And he walks into the door. Uh, the door opens. Um, he, start, he walks in. He's looking around. He crawls down this ladder. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? He's in like the lower, like some lower, lower levels. I'm like, okay. And um, then we see the armorer uh, from the season one. The lady who says this is the way, that one. We see the armorer. She's uh, on some sort of platform in the far end, looking off into the edge of space. Um, Mando walks down, and as soon as he walks down, um, probably like 20 feet away from her by the platform, he collapses to his knees. And uh, he collapses to his knees, and um, the armor basically tells pa- tells Paz Vizsla uh, to tend to him. Uh, Paz Vizsla is um, the descendant of Pre Vizsla. Pre Vizsla is the guy in the Clone Wars who is the leader of Death Watch. He is the guy who held the dark saber in uh, the Clone Wars. Um, spoiler alert: Darth Maul kills Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars and takes the dark dark saber from him. Fast forward: uh, Darth Maul somehow lost the. Oh no, Darth Maul. I forgot how he lost the dark saber. I get. I'm guessing Darth Maul lost the dark saber in the battle of in the uh, siege of Mandalore. Or maybe I don't know. He he, I don't know how Darth Maul lost uh, the dark saber. At least I'm not remembering at this time. Um, uh, the dark saber ends up ending up in someone else's hands. Then it goes into Bo-Katan's hands, and then off screen she loses it to Moff Gideon. And now we're and then Moff Gideon lost it to Mando. So Mando has it now, obviously. Um, Paz Vizsla uh, is tending to Mando. Uh, and he sprays this like sol- this some sort of solvent or something like that, like like a freeze spray or something like that, and it, it helps Mando's wound basically, like kind of like covers it up so it doesn't get infected. And um, uh, then Mando, he's um, the armor then asks what caused the injury. Mando pulls out the dark saber, and the armor uh, asks to have it brought to her. Paz Vizsla looks at the dark saber, knowing that it's like, yo, this is this is from this is my family's like lineage. This is my family history right here. Looking at the at the dark saber, his pre Vizsla had it, and I'll go into who else had it right now. He goes and walks the dark saber over to the armorer, 
Um, she ignites it, and then she asks Mando if he knows the meaning of the Darksaber. Uh, Mando tells her, yes, he knows the meaning of it. She then explains that the meaning of the Darksaber and how it was forged over a thousand years ago by the Mandalore, Tar Vizsla, a Mandalorian, and a Jedi who led Mandalore. Um, uh, Tar Vizsla is an ancestor, is the ancestor of Paz Vizsla, or of Pre Vizsla, and then Pre Vizsla is the ancestor of Paz Vizsla. And there's a bunch of other Vizslas in their whole, in the Vizsla clan, the Vizsla family. Um, so Paz is the most current Vizsla that we're, uh, uh, up to date with. And it's crazy because, um, Pre Vizsla is voiced by Jon Favreau in the Clone Wars and Paz Vizsla is also voiced by Jon Favreau as well. Uh, Jon Favreau was obviously not under the suit. It was m more than likely a body, a body double. So, um, but, um, you can tell this guy's kind of like, he's like, he's looking at this dark saber. He's, he wants the dark saber. He's, he's jealous as fuck that Mando has it. Um, Mando uh, say, uh, then says that he's met he's met Jedi, and um, the armor says, "So you completed your task, basically." And she goes, "This is the way." And then the, she allows um, she basically tells Mando, "All right, you're able to join us in our covert to help rebuild Mandalore." And like, oh, you're like, "All right, cool. This is dope. This is like the this is like the um, this is like the knight being sent by the king to go kill the dragon, and then the knight comes back with the dragon's head." And the the, 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 the the king is all like, you killed the dragon. All right. You are worthy to be one of my one of my royal knights, one of my royal knights, one of my royal guards. And you are going to get praise. You are you are you are what this kingdom needs. And they welcome you into the kingdom. That's what that reminded me of. Um, they all utter this is the way as she hands the Darksaber back to Mando while Paz Vizsla looks on in some sort of disgusted a uh, possible fit of jealousy. Now you can't see his face, but you can just tell by the good body language, the body language, and the great acting of these um, of the care of the actors and the characters that you could like. Oh, he's jealous. You know he's jealous because the camera, the way the camera pans on him and focuses on him, you're like, oh yeah, he's jealous that he don't got he don't got the dark saber. He wants that shit. Um, we then um. We then uh, transitioned to Paz and Man uh, uh, Paz Vizsla and Mando. Were uh, they're working on? Um, they're building the. Uh, I believe it's called. I believe a kiln or what they're called, where they um, forge weapons and stuff like that. They're working on it, putting together. Um, Paz asked Mando. Uh, Mando asked uh, Mando where he got the. He's like, where you, where'd you get the dark saber? Mando tells him he got it from defeating Moff Gideon. Paz then asks him, he's like, did you kill him? And Mando says he turned him into the New Republic where he's going to be interrogated and questions for his crimes. Paz then says he should have killed him. Um, he should have killed him for his atrocities that he committed against Mandalore. Obviously, Paz is having some sort of resentment to Mando because he didn't kill Moff Gideon. Um, because, for those of you who don't know, didn't pay attention in The Mandalorian, they do say how during the, um, the Great Mandalorian Purge, when... Um, uh, the Empire basically stripped Mandalore of all its Beskar. Um, that um, Moff Gideon was one of the people that led the led the whole um, purge of uh, or the uh, yeah purge of Mandalore when they took all that shit. So he's a piece of shit in the eyes of Mandalorians and people of Mandalore because they killed a bunch of innocent people, killed a bunch of innocent foundlings, and a lot of people of Mandalore, which caused the destruction of the of the of the planet. Not in the sense of it blew up, but in the sense of their whole history and everything is just ransacked because the empire wanted the resources on that planet um the armor then walks in and then she goes this is true They're basically saying like yeah you he is he is fucking he did commit atrocities against mandalore and he should be have been killed um she then walks and she opens up her um little armory of of her um Armory of her, not weapon, of some weapons, I think it was. And then uh, the stuff uh, that she uses to, to help forge um, weapons in her kiln. Um, and then she says, um, she then mentions the, uh, she mentions the Mythosaur. And I thought, that, I thought this was cool. So for those of you who don't know what the myth, the Mythosaur is, the Mythosaur is basically like uh, what the Loch Ness Monster looks like. It's like a, a dinosaur, like a long neck dinosaur that, that swims in the, in the water. Um, the Mythosaur is what Boba Fett was riding in, um, uh, the Star Wars Christmas special, I think back in, like, I think the 80s, don't, uh, correct me on that if I'm wrong, but, um, Bo that's where Boba Fett's first introduced in, um, in canon, basically, he's introduced in a cartoon when, um, when, uh, when Luke Han and their, uh, Luke Han and I think Chewie, 
um, they're stuck. Uh, they're stuck on some planet, and their ship crashed. And Boba basically pulls up and tells him, "Do you need help, friend?" And he gives off the illusion that he's a friend or a friendly, and he's not. He's um, he's um, uh, he's being dis- deceitful, and uh, he's riding the mythosaur. It, it is in you know. So I'm not sure if that's technically canon. I don't know. Uh, they don't. Re- I don't think they've said it's canon. But as far as I'm concerned. It's not, and then she utters the line, uh, but the, the mythosaur is only in, um, is only mentioned in Legends. And when she said that, I thought that was kind of like, I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. That has two meanings behind it. It's a, it's a joke basically saying like, um, you know, leg- okay, for those of you who don't know who Legends is, there's canon for Star Wars, and then there's Legends. Legends is the comic books and the books that George Lucas and a bunch of other people wrote when he still had the rights to Star Wars. And then when Disney purchased Star Wars, they basically decanonized a bunch of those books and a bunch of uh, those comic books and everything, which pissed a lot of people off, including me myself, because um, it was cool shit that they could have built on, but they decided to do their own canon. So that phrase when she says it's only been mentioned in Legends is uh, is kind of like a joke on that. And then also Legends and Tales, maybe, of people seeing the Mythosaur. So two meanings behind it. Um she then asks Mando, she goes, where'd she, where'd he, because Mando has his Beskar spear. I forgot to mention, Mando's carrying the Darksaber, he's got his jetpack, and he's got the Beskar spear that he uh, received from that one lady in Mandalorian Season 2 after uh, Ahsoka defeated her. Uh, she gave, basically gave him the, the, the uh, spear, which survived the Razor Crest blowing up uh, at the end of, or in the, the episode with Boba Fett of uh, Mandalorian Season 2. Um... She then asks Mando, where'd you receive the Beskar spear? Mando then says he received it from a Jedi. The armor uh, questions his exist- questions the existence of the Beskar spear and says that Beskar is meant for armor, not weapons. She tends that- then says that this spear is basically like, um, this is like bad for Mandalorian. This is like bad because this Beskar spear can pierce Mandalorian armor and it shouldn't, like, it shouldn't exist, basically. Uh, and, um... Mando then says, okay, then forge it. Forge it into something else. Forge it into armor. And she goes, all right. Uh, she then, um, uh, the, when the armor, then the armor uh, says that the Darksaber is more of a noble weapon for Mando and it, and it suits him better than the spear. Mando then asks if the armor has heard about um, Bo-Katan. She then tells the uh, tells that Bo-Katan uh, story is like is a, has like a tragic story. Based, a tra- st- her story and her leadership of Mandalore is a tragedy. Because Bo-Katan uh, tried to lay claim to Mandalore based purely on blood when she received the Darksaber in Rebels. She didn't win it in, in a trial of combat. She didn't win it in battle. So the only way to lead Mandalore is if somebody wins the Darksaber in, in a trial of combat or in battle. And she didn't do that. She was handed the Darksaber. So basically saying like she was never a leader of Mandalore. She's a fraudulent leader of Mandalore. And those of you who don't know, Bo-Katan is one of the reasons why Mandalore fucking fell. Um... Because she, Bo-Katan is kind of, see, that's the thing, I like Bo-Katan, but fucking, the, some of the shit that she's done, it's just like, she's very, when I saw her get mad at, at Boba, basically saying, you are not a Mandalorian, I'm like, bitch, shut the fuck up, you lost Mandalore, alright, just because you're pissed off that you lost Mandalore, don't mean you gotta take it out on Boba Fett or anybody else because of your shortcomings, so shut the fuck up, but, um, uh, after she tells that Bo-Katan tried to lay claim to the, uh, lady claim to Mandalore purely on blood, for those of you who don't know, spoiler alert, a lady named Duchess Satine, who was the ruler of Mandalore during the Clone Wars, she is the sister of Bo-Katan, they're sisters, but they both chose different paths, Satine chose the path of, uh, chose the path of, of a pacifist, and, excuse me, Bo-Katan chose the path of, um, a warrior, or a terrorist, in Death Watch. Um, then, um, uh, she tells us she was gifted the saber and she didn't win it. She didn't win it by creed, basically. Like I said, the trial by combat, all that other stuff. Uh, says her rule ended in tragedy cause, uh, and it causes them to lose their world. Um, then we get a flashback to the great purge, uh, and when the Imperials, uh, were destroying most of Mandalore and they, how they scattered the clans and you're seeing, um, it, dude, this shit looked like something straight out of Terminator. Uh, you see a bunch of, uh, K-10 robots, I think they're K-10, is what they're called, they were, the, the droid from, um, the droid from Rogue One, basically, but they're a bunch of, it was an Imperial droid, but in the Imperial K-10 droid from, um, 
uh, from Rogue One is like basically they're scouts, like salvaging shit and just walking around like they're Terminators. It's straight out of like when they show the future battles in Terminator 2 and Terminator 1. It looks like something out of that. The TIE Bombers are flying over, bombing shit, destroying everything. You see shit explode. You see all sorts of buildings explode. It's just fucking brutal. Terrible. Um, and as we're seeing, uh, we're seeing, uh, the flashbacks, you're just like, you're just watching, you're like, God damn, dude, they went through so much fucking shit. And, um, Mando then asks for his, uh, Beskar spear to be formed into something for a foundling. And when he says foundling, I'm like, okay, he's talking about Grogu. And I'm like, okay, is he going to ask her to make a lightsaber hilt? Like, uh, that'd be cool. Grogu has a lightsaber hilt made out of Beskar. Um, uh, we then transition to, um, uh, oh, you know, we, she then, uh, starts making some, she starts, um, uh, forging with, um, she starts forging, uh, with the, uh, um, with the, uh, the spear and she forges it into something. She breaks it down and she makes it into, looks like chain mail or something. She hands a little bag to, um, to Din and she gives it to him. And then we transition to, um, Mando training with the, uh, the dark saber with the armor, um, she's like, basically like, uh, basically like, okay. So remember how Boba in the, um, in the, uh, I think it was the f second episode in the second episode when he's with the female Tuscan and she's, uh, teaching him how to fight with the, st uh, with the gaffy stick or the staff. Uh, it's basically like, kind of like that, but he's basically learning how to use the dark saber and, um, uh, she's, he's learning how to use the dark saber and uh, she's training him, and she's shouting these um, phrases. I guess it's different. Like, I I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna repeat them because I don't remember what they sounded like. But she's telling him, like, she's throwing out the phrase. It's like when you're when you're training, when you're training, when you're boxing or something like that. And someone someone says, okay, one two, okay, one two three, one two three, hook. It's like that. It's like she kept saying, all right, one, like two, one two three, one two. One, two hooks, like, like that. She's telling, okay, like swing, swing here, swing there. And I'm still seeing Mando, as, you, as you're watching this, you're like, okay, Mando still doesn't have the hang of the light, of the dark saber yet. He's still having a hard time swinging it. He's he's swinging it like it's a giant, like it's a giant, like giant rock sword or a rock, uh, yeah, a rock sword just swinging it like it's heavy. And she then tells them, um, uh, she then tells them like, uh, she goes, okay, she goes, the you're, you're swinging the saber, like, uh, you're swinging the saber. You're trying to control the saber. Don't try to control the saber. Swing it. Uh, swing it in a way where you can where you control it, but just let it happen, basically. And Din's just all like, uh, Din's just all like, I I don't understand what you mean. Like I don't understand how you do it. And he's being stubborn, obviously. Um. Uh. And as this is happening, then all of a sudden, Paz Vizsla comes up and he challenges Din to a battle for the dark saber saying it was forged by his ancestry, Din then accepts, they fight, and uh, as they're, uh, well, Din accepts, uh, uh, well, Din accepts after the armors looks at, she looks at uh, Din, she goes, all right, well, do you accept this trial of combat? And he accepts, okay? We then have um, Paz and uh, um, uh, Din standing across from each other on a platform. They both look at each other, they take their jetpacks off, put them down, like, all right, no jetpacks. They look at each other. They start fighting. Uh, um, they fight, and then Paz gets the upper hand. Uh, not, he's beating the shit out of Mando. Mando's trying to beat him, but Paz is obviously bigger than him. He's higher in stature. Uh, it's just a, a rough fight that's going on between these two. Uh, Paz then gets the advantage by throwing Mando down uh, to another platform, jumps back down. Mando tries to grab the saber. Um uh, Paz then gets the upper hand, taking the dark saber, saying that this the dark saber is this is his because his family is the one who forged it. Din then stabs him multiple times, getting the, uh, uh, and then he ends up getting the upper hand by getting him by the throat. I'm not gonna spoil too much in this fight scene. I want you guys to go watch it for yourself. Um, I didn't take too much notes about it, but basically I just got the gist of it right there. Uh, Din ends up getting uh, him by the throat. The armor says, "Okay," like she says, "It is done," and. Uh, basically says, to, um, to Mando and to, and to Paz, she goes, um, Paz, uh, Paz Vizsla, uh, or Mando, have you, have any of you ever removed your helmets? Paz then says no. Din pauses, doesn't say anything. She asks him again, you must say it. Like, you basically, you're like, like under Cree or something, other Creed or something like that. You, you must say it. And then Din says, I have, 
And then after that, the armor says, then you are out of the guild. You're no longer a Mandalorian. And this was so devastating. You can just see Din's face and he's just saw, and he, um, didn't ask for forgiveness. He says, I, I'm sorry, forgive me. How, how can I be redeemed? And the armorer says, well, there's only one, only one way one may be redeemed. Uh, you may only be redeemed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore. Um, then didn't ask where the, uh, where the mines are. Um, the mines are then revealed to have been destroyed, um, during the purge. So there's really no way for him to get redeemed. And this is very sad because Mando obviously takes his, um, I must just say religion, he takes his religion with this, uh, with the guild very seriously. And it's, 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 it's what drives him. It's what, you know, it's what his whole character is about. He, the whole not taking off the helmet. I'm 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 committed to this, and I'm gonna follow this, and this is the way. The whole the whole phrase and everything. And uh, you can tell he's just like disappointed. You don't gotta see his face, but by his body language, you're just like, damn. And, and I'm gonna say, if it's Pedro Pascal under the helmet, I don't think it is. But if it is, fucking damn good job with the body language. And if it isn't to the actor who's under there, the body double, great job, great job with your body language to convey the emotion in this scene. Then Din then gets up, walks by the armor, and then he exits. And we're still with Din. And I kept saying, hmm, I wonder where Boba's at. I'm like, okay, we're not getting Boba yet. Maybe we'll get him in a little bit. But yeah, we just had all this shit happen and still no Boba Fett. Um, Din then leaves. Uh, he starts walking around uh, in the city again. Uh, he goes to then uh, board a commercial flight, but then he's not allowed to get on because the, some droid tells him, oh, sir, you can't go on with your weapons. And he goes, it's part of my religion. I can't, like, take off like, take off anything, these things. Droid tells him, like, oh, there's no exceptions. He frustratedly, all right, takes off all his weapons, takes off his bondoliers, all his ammo and stuff like that, his gun, and he puts everything inside. He grabs a darksaber, and he kind of looks at it like, should I put that in the box? Is it going to be safe in here? And he, all right, he puts it in, and I'm like, uh-oh, is he, is he gonna fucking lose the, the dark saber? And um, puts it in. He basically goes, I, remember, I know what the, I know what the box looked like. I know what my stuff looked like. And he just walks in. He boards the commercial flight. Is sitting down, and this little this little cute Greedo little Greedo uh, uh, Rodian child is like looking at him, like like you know how when you're you know how when you're on a plane or you're in a bus and you're just wait you're just sitting down you're you're looking out the window and then you look forward and there's like a kid in front of you the kid like looking at you and the mom sitting next like hey like hey straight out you know like like in Joker right? if you remember in Joker when uh when um when Arthur is um he's looking out the window then this little kid is like looking at him like and then Arthur tries to make him laugh and everything like that it was kind of like that Din didn't try to make him laugh the little kid waves at uh Din and Din just kind of like, I mean, I can't see his face, but maybe he's smiling. I don't fucking know. Uh, then the mom tells him, like, hey, eat, you, eat you. Like, leave him alone. Like, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Um, we then, um, uh, what was it? Uh, we then um, have Mando. He gets off. Uh, we uh, transition to, um, we transition to Mando getting off to the ship. He goes to look for his, um, to look for his, um, uh, the box with all of his weapons in it. He hands the droid his ticket. The droid pulls out his bo pulls out the box and it has all of his weapons in there. He then grabs the box and um, we realize that the ship that he got off of what, is the returning to Mos Eisley. I'm like, okay, cool. We're gonna see Boba Fett. He's in Mos Eisley where the commercial ship landed, gets his stuff, and then we transition to Pele Motto. Pele Motto, for those of you who don't remember, she's the lady from The Mandalorian uh, season two, um, and I believe season one. Yes, season one and season two that owns the mechanic shop in Mos Eisley, the one who, um, the one who just like, oh, likes, likes Baby Yoda a lot, likes Grogu, um, the one with the pit droids, the little droids that walk around to help her with her, with her stuff, and I mentioned her, I forgot to say her, I forgot her name, but I believe it was in the fourth episode, or fourth, maybe, the fourth episode, or I think it was, I don't know, second or fourth episode, no, no, it, I think it was the fourth one of the episodes of the Book of Boba Fett previously, you see her walking in the background when uh, Boba and Fennec are walking through town. You, If you blink, you'll fucking miss it. But I'm like, okay, that was foreshadowing that we're going to see her. Uh, Palomato's in her mechanic shop, and she's trying to chase this creature out, this little creature that's messing around, and it's chasing her little BD-9 droid. And for those of you who also don't know, BD-9 is the droid 
that uh, Cal Kestis has in Jedi and Jedi Fallen Order. I haven't played Jedi Fallen Order. I just know that because I've seen videos of Jedi Fallen Order, and I know I know a lot of the gist of what happens in, in Jedi Fallen Order. Not too much, but I know some of it, and because my friends have played the game. Uh, it's not the exact, it's not the exact same droid. It's, it's the same make and model, not the exact same droid though. And this little creature keeps chasing around the BD the BD droid, and um, she's trying to. Um, She's trying to shoot it off, basically. Tells the pit droids to go after it. She goes around where the little creature is at. And I thought that she was just doing this for laps. No, like, she le she legit gets her foot grabbed by the fucking, um, by the creature. And she starts telling the pit droids, like, help, help me, help me. And then Mando walks in conveniently. And he shoots the fucking creature, saving her. Um, then he tells her, hey, uh, hey, I, I got your message. And she goes, message? And he goes, message about finding me a replacement for the Razor Crest. Oh, yeah, that message. Okay, okay. And I'm like, okay. I thought she was going to say Boba, but no, wasn't talking about Boba. I'm like, where's Boba? Um, she then, uh, he then pays her the credit. She goes, hey, you got the credits? He goes, yeah, here you go. He gives her the thing of credits that he earned from all the bounties that he's done previous in, or recently. Um, she then starts taking him. Oh, uh, you're going to love it. You're going to love this. This is, this is awesome. She takes him to, taking him to the ship. And the ship is covered up, and right when the ship was covered up, I'm like, huh, the outline of, of the, of the um, tarp covering the ship looks pretty familiar. She then takes off the tarp, revealing the ship to be an N1 Naboo Royal Guard Starfighter. Holy fucking shit, my nostalgia meter was running off the fucking charts. Running off the chain here. It was fucking just all over the place. I'm like, holy shit, it's, it looks, it's, the, it's the fucking Naboo ship, the Naboo Starfighter. She then tells Mando what it is. Mando's all like, "This isn't. This ain't the Razor Crest." He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. Like, I don't. I, I want a Razor Crest. Like Razor Crest. Like, do you know what this is? These things are hard to come by. She tells him, "This is a Nab this is a Naboo N one Starfighter. This is the best. The best." And Mando's just like, eh, I, "I mean, I want a Razor Crest. I don't want it." He's being a bitch. He's being stubborn. He wants the Razor Crest. He misses his ship. Um, for those of you who also don't know, this ship was in the Phantom Menace. It's the ship that Anakin flew and destroyed the droid command ship above Naboo and helped win the Battle of Naboo when he was a kid. So, some of you don't know prequels, just letting you know. That's what this is for. That's what this, It's not the exact same ship, just a ship of uh, just a similar model. Um, but it it wasn't it was still it wasn't finished. Uh, it was missing a lot of parts, but you can see the yellow color, you can see all of it. Like, oh, this is fucking cool. I'm over here marking out watching this shit like this is fucking awesome. Um Helen Model then says, hey, okay, fine, look, I get you don't like it, but at least let me finish the ship up, at least let me finish, like, make, let me finish fixing it, and then make your decision, and then, um, he tells, she tells Mando, hey, and you want to give me a hand, help me out, so we then have a, um, a montage of Mando, uh, working on the ship with Pele Mato. um, he's asking, where did you get all these parts, she, she brings in some, uh, this, I, I'm guessing, uh, some engine, and, uh, He's all like, where did you get that from? And she goes, oh, Jawas. And I, start, I started fucking laughing my ass off when she said Jawas. I'm like, god damn it. These fucking Jawas. They, these motherfuckers are stealing. They steal so much goddamn shit. And then, and then what she says next just, just reiterate, uh, reiterated what I was, uh, all, all my uh, previous uh, um, injunctions and my previous thoughts on the Jawas. And um, she starts talking. She goes, oh, yeah. Like, Jawas, Jawas can, get, can get anything. And the Jawas are hanging out in the back of my shop. Like some fucking bums, like some fucking Tobos on Tatooine. The Jawas just, she says that they dig through her, dig through her trash can all the time and stuff like that. Um, that the reason that they get the parts because she, oh yeah, they get the parts and let them dig through my trash can, dig through my trash can of parts in the back. And, uh, she goes, you know, I once dated, she goes, you know, I once dated the Jawa. And he goes, he goes, dated the Jawa. And she goes, hey, and they're, they're, they're very furry. And when, and those of you who don't get that, um, We've never seen what Jawas look like, but from stories and comic books, um, their faces are, are kind of are because they never take off their hoodies. Um, their faces are are hidden like Tusken Raiders, and uh, it's kind of their faces are kind of were revealed to have been furry in the comic books. So that was an homage to that when she said that. Um, and when she said she dated a Jawa, I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, the, the the furry line, it'll go over people's heads who don't know. They're thinking, oh, furry, like furry balls or furry, like something like that. But people who know, Jawas are furry apparently in like 
from tales of people who've seen Jawa's faces. I don't know. I still never understand why somebody doesn't go, doesn't go bully a Jawa and take off his fucking hoodie. But apparently their faces are fucking ugly as fuck. And they got like like sharp ass teeth or something like that. So no wonder they hide their they hide their fucking faces. Um Well Mando's is like, okay, well, can I speak to the Jawas? And then uh when she says that she dated them, she goes, uh she uh tells the droids to go get the Jawas, and the Jawas walk in. There's two of them. And um, Mando tells her to translate and say, hey, can you ask them to find parts for her or parts for him? And then she translates in Jawanese. That's literally what they say. It's what it's called. It's called Jawanese. She translates in Jawanese and tells him uh, and, tell, and tells Mando, hey, they said make a wish list. Uh, Mando then tells her what he wants. We then transition to uh, Mando and Pele working on the ship together with the pit droids. They're putting putting it together. It's coming together very nicely. Um, I guess one of the parts that he wanted, I forgot what it was called. Um, as the Jawas walk in, they're just like, oh yeah, we got a part for you. And they're like, oh no, that's not it. That's not what we wanted. They come back in with the, uh, no, that was the droids. My bad. The droids keep coming in with these parts that for the ship. And she's like, no, that's not it. That's not it. We need other stuff. Keep looking. The Jawas finally come back with the piece that they need. And, um, <laughs> I'm just watching, this. I'm watching this Jawas just carry this, this fucking big ass piece of the, to the ship that they, uh, piece of the ship that they need. And I'm all like, what the fuck? Where did they get this shit from, dude? Like, did they have this shit lying around in their sand crawler? And um, <laughs> and then Mando basically speaks for the audience. And he's all like, where did they get this thing from? And she goes, do you really? She goes, they're Jawas. Do you really want to know? And he goes, yeah, ask them. And she asks them in Jawanese. And then they translate. They tell her back. And she says, they got it off. They stole it. They stole it off of uh, the ship. From, uh, uh, they stole the part. Off of the pikes, uh, from the pikes while they were refueling their ship. That giant ship that you see in episode three at the end, they stole it off of that ship while it was refueling. These fucking, god, fucking Jawas, dude. God damn it. It's, it, I, I was laughing my ass off. I'm sorry. I'm laughing my ass off watching this shit. I'm like, god damn it. Like, that's hella, it's just hella funny because they're so tiny. And I, I just get the visual in my head of these mother, of these stupid motherfuckers going over and just like, Otini! Otini! And then go and like sneaking in the back, right, 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 in their voices, stealing the fucking parts off while somebody, hey, that's my ship, and they fucking run off, like goddamn, fucking sneaky ass, sneaky ass Jawas. Um, uh, Pele Mato then uh, talks about how everything's gone. Yeah, she, yeah, everything's gone to hell since the Pikes have been running their spice and they're running spice in their star system, as we previously established in uh, Book of Boba episode three. Um. Mando's ship is then complete and brought out to him, and it's like, oh man, like this, it looks so fucking cool. It wasn't all yellow; it was a lot of it was silver and just the metal parts on it. And I'm just like, oh, this is this is so fucking cool. Like I, I'm so excited just watching this shit. My, my, my fucking childhood is coming back to me, and it, it was so fucking cool. The ship comes out. Um, she says, all right, and he goes, can I, can I give it like, can I fly it? Give it a fly? And she goes, yeah, go ahead, give it a test run. And he gets inside and he goes, uh, what happened to the, um, the, um, the droid, uh, the droid hatch, the droid compartment? And she goes, oh, I hollowed it out. Uh, I didn't think you were the type of guy that wanted droids anyway. So, and I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what, see the thing that kind of confused me a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, if he's going to do bounties, how is he going to fit people inside there? Maybe he's just going to fucking fit them inside that, that space. Maybe there's more space in there that we realize he gets inside. He sits in the starship, um, um, position or he sits in the position, uh, so he can get ready to fly it. He starts it up and it fucking... And it fucking shits out and doesn't work. And he goes, it's not working. She goes, nah, you gotta give it a couple... Give it some juice. Do it again. Get to keep... Gotta, you know, warm it up a little bit. He starts it up and oh my god, they start they start playing the fucking sounds that the shit makes from episode... Uh, from Phantom Menace. And nostalgia, 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 fan service, fan service, fan service. I was just fucking so happy seeing this stuff, bro. And um, he flies it up and then... I'm like, oh shit, like this is fucking cool. He it's hovering up and he's getting ready to fly it. And he and Mando's all like, this thing's pretty loud. She goes, Yeah, it's not your average starfighter. Like she, or she goes, It's not your average ship. It's a starfighter. They're meant to be loud. It, basically, this this ship's got balls, bro. That's what I said. I said, man, that shit's got balls, dude. That shit is fucking wet, fucking mean the way it sounded. It sounded like a, it sounded like a fucking V8. I was like, oh, this sounds sound so fucking cool. He flies up and he flies over Maz Eisley. And, and you see, they have the camera point, um, you know, from the city, from the bottom of the city, or 
from the bottom of the city's perspective, like looking up at him, just flying over, like, oh, it looks so fucking cool, the visual of it. Mando starts flying around, he flies out to the desert, and I'm like, where's he going? And I'm like, no fucking way. He starts flying through the um, the pod race, um, the pod race um, track uh, where Anakin flew through in episode one, and I'm like, no fucking way he's flying through there. Then uh, Pele Mato says, um, she goes, if you fly a little bit, for, fly a little farther, you're going to be coming up on Beggar's Canyon. Uh, I'm guy angle. I ain't gonna lie, guys. I was I was legit lightweight tearing up. Like, bro, it, it was bringing back so much so much memories, making me so happy watching this shit. And I'm just like, man, this is this is so fucking awesome. And when she mentioned Beggar's Canyon, I'm like, oh, this is so fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. Oh, um, he starts flying through Beggar's Canyon. He's speeding up. He speed. Uh, he uh, um, what are they called? Um, I'm, I'm over here getting confused. What the fuck are they called? Um, the the um, I don't the lever the levers the levers he pushes he he pushes them uh, he pulls them back and pushes them forward and starts going fucking faster and you're just like holy shit like he's fucking flying he flies from the side he starts flying from the edge and everything you're just like this is so fucking cool as this shit's going on bringing back so many memories and um she then uh. Uh, he then starts flying around and he decides to uh, fly through the, after he gets through Beggar's Canyon, he scares off this little rat creature while he flies past. Uh, he gets out of Beggar's Canyon, he pulls up and he flies, uh, starts flying over, uh, out the atmosphere into space. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. And he, you're seeing him just like go so fucking quick. And, um, he flies past a commercial flight and the commercial flight has the little Rodian uh, child on there that was waving at him earlier. And then he pulls up next, he pulls up next to it. <laughs> he pulls up next to the commercial flight and the little Rodian kid looks at him like, Hey mommy, look like mommy, look, look at, look, he's look at him. And he just looks over and he just nod. He gives the nod and he flies away and he starts, he starts literally doing what Anakin does. I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. He starts spinning while he's in space, and then he gets fucking pulled over by the New Republic. The two, two X-Wings pull up on him, and they're like, hey, yo, pull the fuck over. Whoop, whoop. The fucking whoop, whoop pulls up on him. I'm a, that's what I'm going to call him, the whoop, whoop. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to call him that. We're going to call him the whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, the New Republic, uh, whoop, whoop, pulls up next to him. <laughs> pulls up next to him, and they're like, hey, you can't be flying that fast next to a commercial flight ship. We're going to need some... We're gonna need to see some uh, identification and registration. Ping it over to us. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, officer. Didn't know I couldn't do that. And he's like, "Yeah, give me, give me one second. I was just taking this ship out for a test flight and everything." Uh, yeah, and and then one of the guys goes, "Hey, you know, your voice sounds kind of familiar. Did you used to fly a, a, a Razor Crest?" And he goes, "I think you had me confused with somebody else, officer." And they're all like, all right, well, um, I think we'll let you off with a warning, but uh, we need to ask you a few questions. And then he just, he hits the, she told, okay, so when he, before he flew it, she, he told her that there's this button on the ship. Basically, that'll make him go into, um, that'll make him go into, um, they're called, okay, uh, he has these things on the ship called, the, they're called sublight thrusters. And they basically put you in hyperspace without actually putting you in hyperspace. Basically, it's just like, you go for like what do they call it in, in with with like jets like Mach five or Mach seven. He goes he he as as soon as they say we want to ask you a few questions. He fucking flips the thing up and hits the button and fucking darts off and he's gone. And they're just like what the fuck? Like holy shit! Like they're like what the fuck? What the fuck was that? And then the um the uh the Republic uh, or the the whoop whoop says uh oh yeah those are his sublight thrusters. And they're all like all right well should we report this? And he tells them, do you want to really go back and, and do all the paperwork for this? Nah. And they fly away. Mando then lands back at Pele Mato's hangar, where uh, after he lands, and says, like, that thing is fast. Like, um, she goes, uh, what do you think? And he goes, it's wizard. And I, I thought that was a cool, cool line. And then um, she then says, oh, yeah, um, somebody dropped by asking. Uh, somebody dropped by asking for you. A friend of yours dropped by asking for you. And he's all like, friend who? Oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry. I had the droids, uh, I had the droids, uh, the pit droids uh, lock us down in security mode. I locked, the, I locked her out. Or I locked, I locked the person out and I put the whole place in security mode. And then Fennec Shan greets them surprisingly and they kind of get, she kind of gets scared. Mando gets ready to pull out his gun and he sees Fennec Shan. And then she comes down and um, basically tells Mando, hey, are you looking for work? And we need muscle. And, um... 
uh, uh, he's all like, oh, uh, okay, I think he says it depends who's asking, and then she goes, Boba Fett, Boba, Boba Fett needs help. And he's like, oh, all right. And uh, she offers him credits, and he goes, it's on the house, basically because he owes Boba. Boba helped him. Uh, Boba helped him with the, protect the child. He guaranteed the safety of the child. You know, he's being um, honorable and like, hey, don't worry. Wave the f- I don't need the money. I got, I got you. I'll help you guys out. Mando accepts, says it's on the house. But first, he has, a vi- he has to visit a little friend. And then the episode ends. Great fucking episode. And obviously, his little friend that he's talking about is Grogu. They're teasing Grogu. And I'm excited. Whew, wow, a lot of impact there. Great episode. Very, it's so, it was the perfect amount of nostalgia, the perfect the perfect amount of world building, perfect amount of character development, perfect amount of action. And I'm going to give this episode a 9 out of 10. And I know a lot of people are giving it a 10 out of 10, but the reason I'm giving it a 9 out of 10, this is basically, this is basically Mandalorian season three episode, episode point, episode point five. Like or episode one of season uh, Mandalorian season three, Boba wasn't in this episode at all. Yeah, Fennec was in this episode, but this is this is here's see here's the thing. Okay, it's great, and as much as I fucking love this episode, this has rewatch value for me. We got two more episodes in the book of Boba, y'all, and unless these next episodes are like an hour and a half, what the fuck are they? What the fuck are they doing? They I ain't gonna lie, they kind of shit the bed on this series a little bit. They. This episode didn't have Boba in it at all. They just mentioned him at the end. I, I thought that we... I didn't think we were going to get this much Mando. I, I'm happy we got it. But this is this was basically a Mandalorian episode before the new season. And I'm not I'm not mad at that, but I'm just mad. This show's called The Book of Boba Fett, and the best episode of the series has been an episode where Boba's not in it. It's it's a it's an it's an episode with the with the Mandalorian, with Din. That's my only complaint about the, about this thing that we haven't gotten Boba. So these next, you know, I'm excited for the next two episodes. They tease Grogu and Grogu's with Luke. Now I don't know if they're gonna go get Grogu and Luke and they're gonna go meet him, but bro, we got two episodes of the Book of Boba left. We don't got time to fuck around. It's only seven episodes. This was five. We got two more left. We don't. We don't got. Like I said, we don't got time to fuck around. We got to get shit going. Boba said, "Prepare for war." Okay. Is the war going to be in just one episode? I don't know. Who else is he going to recruit? He's got Chrysanthemum. He's got Fennec. He's got, um, fuck, who else has he got? He got Mando now, basically, but we, they haven't had an interaction yet. He's got his, uh, he's got his, uh, Gamorrean guards, two of them. He's got the fucking, got the fucking bite, the fucking Cyberflunk gang, but I don't really count them. They fucking suck, so... And they haven't they haven't gotten any character development. They had that one episode and everybody hated it. So I don't know, man. They've kind of fucked up Boba's story. They did they did great with Mando. It feels like it feels like Mando man, man what we're getting out of Mando is what we want out of Boba. Mando's being a badass, being a fucking a, a badass being literally a badass bounty hunter, and that's Boba's job. But Boba hasn't done any of that in this series. Other than the flashbacks, and that doesn't really count. That doesn't really count for me. So, but this episode was a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Solid, amazing episode. It's just that this could have been Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 1. But, like I, like I said, like they, what they, here's what I would have done, all right? I would have had, right when he goes, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. Um, uh, I would have had... Um, it end there. As much as I love the action scene where he fucking cut the guy, he cut uh, where he cut um, what the fuck's his name? He cut Kaba Bai's in half. Um, as much as I thought that was cool, if they would have went straight title card after he says I can bring you in warm, I can bring you in cold, and then title card, and then next after that we get uh, Boba Fett and you know and Fennec, and then what? And then you go you go back to Boba's story. I thought that would have been cool. And then at the end of the episode, maybe he recruits Mando. Maybe he maybe he goes to recruit Bosk in this episode, and then he goes to recruit Mando at the end of the episode. Say, hey, I, I need you. And the next episode, Mando shows up at the beginning. Episode episode six, Mando shows up at the beginning, and then okay, Mando's Mando's introduced to the series. Like I said, this was heavily focused on Din and not Boba. And you know, 
I'm not going to be biased and just be like, oh, yeah, this series has been 100% great. It hasn't. It's been hit or miss. And it should I shouldn't have to feel like that. But they got two episodes left, so they better be good. I don't know if they're going to bring in Crimson Dawn. I don't know if they're going to bring in Cad Bane. I don't know if they're going to bring in... Um, I don't know if they're going to bring in Bosk. I hope they do. I don't know if the Huts are coming back. Probably not. I thought they were going to go to Nalhutta, which is the Hut homeworld in this show. They haven't. They haven't gone to Kamino. So I don't I don't know. But um but yeah. Exciting episode. Go watch it if you haven't. I'm not going to say spoiler cuz I already spoiled the episode by breaking it down and going through it. But this episode's a must-see, and, you know, I'm looking forward to next week, but, you know, uh, we gotta, we gotta, come on, we gotta get the, we have to get the ball rolling on Boba. What's going on with him, man? I don't want to see nice Boba no more. I want to see Boba go off. You said prepare for war. All right, bro, I'm ready for war. When's the war? I want to see it. I want to see you doing shit. But, he said it took him eight months to film this fucking show, so... Uh, hey man, I hope it I hope it lives up to the hype, but so far it's been hit or miss. So, but all right, y'all, I'm gonna end this review here at an hour, and uh, we're almost we're about we're about to hit an hour and one minute. Um, nine out of ten, nine out of ten. Go watch it. Give us your thoughts. Let me know what you think. I hope you like it. I guarantee you'll like. I guarantee everyone. I guarantee you'll like it. This episode is damn near is universally praised by damn near everybody. The only complaint that I've seen on the internet and with me is the one is the complaint of why isn't Boba in this episode? It's his series. The best episode of this series is an episode where Boba's not in it. That's very telling about how much they kind of care about the character. So I hope they don't fuck the rest of it up. I hope it's good and I'm looking forward to it. But all right, y'all, we're going to end the episode here. I hope you guys have a good night. I hope you guys enjoyed this review. Thoughts and breakdown, kind of. And uh, I hope the whoop-whoop doesn't pull you over anytime soon. This has been the No Limit Lab, and I will see you guys in the next episode. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Bye-bye.